Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Matchbook series on the EBPL podcast. My name is Paul. I am the adult services librarian here at East Brunswick Public Library. So today, I'd like to do something a little different, where instead of fielding questions from the audience about books they might want to read, I just want to give a few of my favorites from this past year now that it's coming to an end. This isn't necessarily the best books of 2022, but my favorite books I've read in the past year. So some are current, some are a little older. Some did come out this year. You'll see all different, but we'll get into it. I chose four of my favorites that I've read this year that stood out to me far and above the rest. The first one I wanted to get into is called Anxious People. It's by Frederick Bachman, who wrote A Man Called Ove. I don't know actually how to say it. And he is a Swedish author and very popular in the United States as well. All of his books have been translated. There was a Bear Town, which is a popular one, came out a few years ago. So in this book, we see starts with somebody trying to rob a bank, but unfortunately, they don't realize that it's a cashless bank. So there's no actual cash to rob. They're fleeing from the police and they happen upon an apartment and take everybody hostage, but they didn't really intend to ever go to the apartment to take people hostage. They just kind of happened upon it because they were running from the police. So while this is a dramatic setup, it's also very funny because there's an apartment viewing going on at the time. So there's a number of different people there who all don't know each other trapped in this apartment with a would-be bank robber now who's taking people hostage. So a, a very funny setup in and of itself. And the author does an excellent job of showing how these people who would have never interacted with each other, who are all very different on so many different levels, because they really have no choice but to sit there and communicate, because what else are they possibly going to do? You see them over time get to know each other, the barriers that would be separating them kind of come down, and they communicate on like deeper and deeper levels over the course of a day or two. The writing is so conversational, which is amazing, really, because, like I said before, it's written in Swedish and it's translated to English, but it maintains this wonderful flow to it. And I've noticed I could read chapters at a time without hardly realizing any time has passed. So over time, while we get snippets of the hostages and what's going on in their lives, we also get information on the police, who are a father and son duo, and we learn more about the backstory of each party and how their lives have intertwined over the years to come to this scenario and to reach this boiling point in their lives. And it's amazing to see how the backstories paint them as characters that are sarcastic, cruel, smart, entertaining. They feel like fully fleshed out characters in that way. And they, at times they're sympathetic, at times they're detestable. And I really like that in an author who makes them so three-dimensional like that. And I think the totality of this coalesces to demonstrate how much we have in common with each other and how even the things we don't have in common with each other, we could communicate those things to each other even if they're not commonalities and we could come to an understanding and realize our differences. And this could create a mutually better situation. We could really improve our lives through honest, open communication like this. The next book I'd like to discuss is The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. 
She gained a lot of recognition a few years ago for the book, The Guest List, which I thought was excellent. And her follow-up is The Paris Apartment, which was released February of this year. And it follows a young woman named Jess, who is visiting her brother at his exclusive Paris apartment block. And when she gets there, she realizes he's missing. And eventually what she believes is that he's been murdered. So she stays in the apartment, which I got to be honest, if you're staying in an apartment and you know somebody has either been captured from there or murdered recently in that apartment, that is enough to scare me way away from the situation. But she seems pretty open to it because she has nothing left to lose as you know, we come to learn about Jess. But she really involves herself in the everyday goings-on of what's happening in this apartment complex and the lives of the people there and really tries to embed herself in all of their situations. So by doing so, we learn more about these people and how they all seem to have a connection to her brother and how they all become suspects over time. So the great thing about this is that the atmosphere is very creepy, but not in ways that you'd expect. It always takes a different turn than you're expecting. So it makes it hard to anticipate, which I find kind of enjoyable because sometimes with a mystery novel like this, I find that once I've connected a few clues, it becomes maybe just like I'm just trying to turn the pages until I get to the ending. Whereas with this and with the guest list, it definitely does not come off that way. So creepy atmosphere, short, really punchy chapters and different perspectives, different points of view of all the people in the apartment complex really heightened the tension over the last, I'd say half of the book is a whirlwind because of that. So really effective mystery. The payoff is amazing because it's so difficult to put all the pieces together in the way that the author is conceiving of these pieces and how they fit. So I really appreciate that. And it feels like a fresh twist on a tried and true concept. Another one I read this year that was also published in 2022 is the latest David Sedaris essay collection entitled Happy Go Lucky. Now, it's funny that this would be called Happy Go Lucky because it is more morose, I'd say, than a lot of his other collections, which were already oftentimes morose. But the humor in this, while David Sedaris has a reputation of being a humorist, of course, I'd say the humor is toned down a bit than in previous collections. And that has to do with when this was published and what he's experiencing and what's going on in the world. A lot of the essays are about his dad and his relationship with his dad, who I guess passed away as he was writing the book. And he's written about the strained and complicated relationship in the past, but it's so hard to tell where the two stand with each other. And it feels so difficult to get to the bottom of their feelings for one another. But you could also tell how cathartic it was for him to be able to write about this kind of subject, almost like a form of therapy of getting it out and discussing it, putting it on the page rather than letting it stay in his own head, which I guess is a good lesson for anybody who wants to write nonfiction especially personal nonfiction. Two other reasons why the book maybe has a more serious tone is because of the pandemic. And also, as he was writing this, the protests following 
the murder of George Floyd took place, and he's just really trying to come to grips with all of the things happening in American society at the time. And he has a lot of poignant things to say about them, a lot of opinions, and I'm not going to air all of them out right now, but if you have been interested in David Sedaris in the past, you could just imagine that he has a lot to say on these kind of topics. Still, this is like a classic Sedaris essay collection. You start with an essay about his relationship with one of the sisters or with his partner, Hugh, and then all of a sudden he's being a curmudgeon about something going on that comes up in conversation, gets sidetracked by that, and that ends up being the point of the essay when you had no idea that was going to be the point when, like, in the first page of reading it. So in some ways, this is like a classic David Sedaris essay collection. In some ways, it's fresh, new, a little different, a little more toned down. And if you're the type of person who's seen David Sedaris do his live reads and been to one of his shows, you know that he's somebody who likes to be on the road. And he discusses this in detail and how the pandemic affected that and prevented him from doing his, I think he had like 50 shows lined up over the course of a year, like a few months. And the inability to travel just really took a toll on him. So that is, I think, one of the best things to read about in this is how he really coped with not being able to do that. But definitely worth a read and definitely a good sense of where he's at in his life at this point in time. The last book I wanted to discuss is called A Woman of No Importance by Sonia Purnell. And this came out in 2019, but in a vein of a lot of books that have been released recently where I'd say like Hidden Figures or Radium Girls, things like that, that are really putting a spotlight on women who were ignored by history books and who've done a lot of amazing things in their own right and deserve to have more notoriety for what they've done. It is a nonfiction book. We follow a woman named Virginia Hall, who's originally from Maryland. She takes a job. So even though she was from a wealthy family, Virginia would rather be on the front lines of World War II, trying to make a difference in the world and much to the dismay of her family members who don't want to see any harm come to her. She becomes a diplomat and eventually a spy for the British Special Operations Unit. And early on in her role here, she is working for the British in France at the start of World War II. And early on in her service, she develops an infection in her leg and it has to be amputated. So she, I mean, obviously you'd think this was the end of her career as a spy, but it's actually just the beginning. She gets a prosthetic leg, she goes back to work, and she remains undercover. She's navigating France under German occupation throughout the war, communicating with the British, and just somehow evading capture, developing contacts, and really just running all these clandestine operations, organizing all of them herself training people who want to be on her side and working with the British and French government. And it really showcases amazing, unique skill set. And over the course of the book, you develop such admiration for her because she had no prior experience in any of this. And yet she's pulling all of this off with no management, no instruction. It's really just her taking advantage of a single opportunity and making the most of it. I don't want to spoil too much about what she does, but she really is an amazing figure. And I would 
really insist anybody who's into spy novels or secret histories or anything like that, definitely check that one out. So those were my favorite books that I've read in this past year. And thank you for listening. And that you can listen to the EBPL podcast at ebpl.org backslash podcast. Thanks again to Melissa Hosek for editing this episode. And as always, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.